Good afternoon. If you could still uh, please rise for the reading of the scripture. Today's scripture readings come from John 13, verses 1 through 11. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and, taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered, What I am going doing, you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, Not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, The one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him. That was why he said, Not all of you are clean. All right, you guys can grab your seats tonight. We are in week number three slash four of this series called The Cleanse. And it's really about the passage of 1 John 1, 9 that says that if you confess your sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Uh, Week one, we talked about the question of what do we do with what we have done? What do we do with what we have done? And we talked about the idea that God is faithful to forgive us our sins when we look at our lives and realize that there are things in our story that we would have never, ever planned to be part of our story. And we can bring them before God and say, God, please, will you have mercy and will you forgive me? And in faith, we say, God, will you not just wipe away the debt, but will you cleanse me? And in doing so, we say, God, I receive your cleansing. It's not a question. He has promised to cleanse us. And so it's not so much you're begging him for cleansing. You're saying, I'm agreeing with you, and I'm going I'm to place myself in the shower of your mercy and your grace, and I receive your cleansing. And in that moment, you breathe in the Spirit of God and allow the Spirit, to minister to those places of your regret and sorrow and shame and you breathe out and you just go, God, will you drain this darkness from me and allow me to be refreshed and made new. The next week we talked about not only what have we done or what do we do with what we've done, but what do we do with what they have done to us? What do we do with the sin that has been afflicted against our souls? And we walk through the various different circumstances that any one of us could have or likely have had walked through. And how that that interaction with darkness can actually leave us often feeling this toxic shame that isn't our own. That, That what we have suffered has somehow marred us and put a label on us and made us something that is unholy, unredeemable, and dirty in God's sight. And we confronted that lie, those strongholds that Satan plants into our mind that says that we are anything other than what he says that we are, his sons and daughters, clean, pure, embraced, accepted, and delighted in. And so we thought about how do we take our thoughts captive and how do we take the truth and the knowledge of God and the the glory of Jesus and make these truths or lies, these strongholds, bow to the truth of God? How do we confront the lies that mar us with the truth of what God says? 
And so we're on week number three, which we're talking not only about what we have done and what others have done to us, but what do we do with what has been done in our presence? Because it's not merely what we do or what's been done to us, but there's this idea of residual pollutant when you're around brokenness. By no fault of yourself, it affects our souls. So the heart behind this whole series is how do we address these areas of our life that we don't know what to do with? Because sin is a foreign item. It is not intended to be a part of your life. It was not part of God's desire for you. Therefore, we're not supposed to learn how to carry the sins of ourselves and the sins of others and the sins that have been in our presence. We're actually supposed to keep those divided. As God said, let light be separated from darkness. The water from the land, God says, let humanity be separated from darkness and sin. And so he does in the new revitalization through the redemptive work of God. So, before we get pushing into that next section, I want to take a second and just say, hey, how is it going? How, how has it been interacting with uh, the forgiveness of God and saying, okay, um, I can be forgiven. I'm sure that's not a new idea to many of you. Has the cleansing element, has that added anything to your experience? Talk to me about it. What's, what's that been like? How has that been a different experience or an added element to your interaction with your brokenness? For me, there's a bit of a freedom that I've sensed and felt in my in my spirit when I approach the Lord, specifically like in our times that where in my quiet time in the morning, um, just just a, a, a sense of of freedom that like, the way that He looks at me and His countenance towards me is one of delight and love and I can approach him in that way not um, feeling like I am um, like a lot of times I approach him like oh Lord you know here's what I did yep. I confess this I confess this I screwed up here I said this and there's a time and a place for that but just like entering his presence with like a lightness in my soul Anybody else? What's the uh, what's the experience been like? How about that last week element of other people's offenses against us? Leave these pockets of darkness in us. And leave us just going like, ah, right? 
Anybody resound with that? Great. Yeah, I, what brought to my mind and kind of working through is just the fact that you know, there's kind of those things were said that were said and just identifying them as lies. I think, at least for me, you, you tend to, um, you could actually turn to believe that what they said is true. It's like, this has been true of me, and you they kind of own it. Yeah. And, and yet, it was a lie. Yeah. And so, being able to separate that and go, that was a lie with that L. Mm -hmm. and, um, and, you know, as Jesus said to the, to the men on the cross, they, they know not what they do, you know. Men do not know what they do to be able to release that. Yeah. And, and, and receive the, the healing and the, the cleansing. Yeah, totally. We are storytellers. And somehow we try to weave together a story or a narrative that makes sense of what has happened to us, through us, in our lives. And if you see patterns, Satan is so good at trying to weave together lies of patterns that say, this person did this and this and it happened again here, that must mean X about you. And that's just a poisonous dart from, from hell. Exactly. Anybody else? Yeah. So, I wasn't here last week and I didn't listen to it on the uh, Spotify. Spotify, yes. But anyway, um, this kind of goes along with it. I've kind of been struggling with, you know, I grew up in a um, just a very legalistic, conservative environment. And I've been um, studying through Matthew with all the Pharisees and stuff. So it's kind of been like triggering to me almost. And so I've been wrestling with this bitterness because it... I, it it is so hard when people are misrepresenting the heart of the Lord, yeah. and then that um, like the wounds we come to the Lord with because of the church environment we were raised in, and so I've kind of been, you know, praying, you know, like Lord, what do I do with this? Because it's not okay for me to be bitter, you know. It's not okay for certain words like conservative or very conservative Christian to spark bitterness in me and for me to just kind of shun them off, you know, because they are a child of God too. You know, they are the church of Jesus too. And so it's not okay for me to have this in my heart. And um, in my quiet time a few mornings ago, I just, I don't know how, but I stumbled upon a verse in Job 42. Um, and it was talking about how uh, when Job prayed for his friends, he was released from his captivity. And if you go right before that, um, like 40,000 chapters of Job are all his stupid friends just giving him this horrible legalistic advice. And you just, it's like chapter after chapter, and you just want to shake him. It's so frustrating. And But I, I, uh, what's that word? I, uh, I understand because they're just speaking a bunch of legalism basically but when you read up to right before that verse in Job 42 God's calling out one of his friends I can't remember the name but he's like you know you misrepresented me and then Job goes and prays for them and that's when Job was released from his captivity and so I just really love that because you know they I, responsible for a lot more because to whom much is given much is expected and I know a lot more about God's word than a lot of people in my life that get to that really legalistic thinking and so I had um, like a turn and, and I had compassion for them and so my prayer was for every moment that I'm in that that Lord would you please just remind me of what I just read in Job so that I can turn and pray for them and you know, get me out of this captivity that I'm in of this bitterness. Being able to identify that. I mean, that's part of the reason why I, I thank you so much. Um, I really sensed that we needed to do something to kind of do something with what we have walked through in our lifetime. Because I think a lot of the people that I know and love who have 
been in and around the church, they're left with the same residual stuff. And it's so blocked their heart that they become jaded and then they miss out on the glory of Jesus. And so I count your presence such a gift. And I want to do um, I want to do a good job at shepherding your hearts towards the goodness of God. And so, um, yeah, let's keep talking. Um, tonight we're going to shift gears and talk about um, the sin that has happened in our presence. One example of this is... Um, like if you're a child of divorce, it's not down to your problem that your parents split up at all. But oftentimes, kids will walk away, sometimes going like, what did I do that mom and dad couldn't stay together? Right? This is a, a case or an in- indication of what it's like when, when brokenness happens in your presence and you're left with residual feelings. And so it's almost like a pollutant that we need to recognize. I mean, this happens when you walk in a certain district of downtown Portland and you see a surrounding of darkness and brokenness and sorrow. For me, it disturbs my soul. It makes me sad and leaves me like feeling shaken. Do you know what I mean? When we sit and watch programs that are violent or they're elevating certain things that are just shuddering to the heart of God. It should leave us disturbed. And what this is really talking about is the reality that we walk in a broken world and that it's well, not innocuous to sin happening in our presence. If you're, uh, I remember I was downtown Portland one day and I was walking through the city and I came out of some store and I hear this yelling and yelling and yelling and uh, um, I'll keep this at a family-friendly level, but there was a guy yelling at a lady and he like shoved her to the ground and uh, it turned out that she worked for him in one field or another. And uh, I reported it to police and like chased him down to try and ensure that she was safe. And the police were like, do not go around this guy. He's a frequently reported person and this is a known situation and it just broke my heart. It disturbed me to be in the presence of brokenness. I know some of our ladies have gone to other nations and they've interacted with people in like young slaves in brothels and it, it disturbs our soul and so it should because God desires that we would be um, able to walk in wholeness. And it's not the way it's supposed to be. One of my favorite books is by... Um, Cornelius Plantanga Jr., it's called A Brevery of Sin, Not the Way Things Are Supposed to Be. And he just does a big image of all the sins in the world, and it's page after page after page of intricacies of brokenness. But tonight we're going to talk about what it is that Jesus talks about when he says, I will forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. I did a study on the word of unrighteousness, and there's actually a number of different ways that the word is actually used in the Bible. There's probably more than 10 different iterations of what unrighteousness shows up as in the Bible. So when you interpret a word from Greek into English, there's like 10 words for the one word in Greek because it's dynamic. And so we're going to look at nine of the different characteristics of what unrighteousness is. And tonight we're going to look at it not from the angle of, have I done any of those? And do I need forgiveness? If anything pops up like that, just take a note, deal with it with Jesus. Or, we're not going to go, oh, has that happened in my presence to me? That's important too. Take a note, deal with it with Jesus. Really what we're zeroing in on is, has this happened in my presence? And how has that left me shaken? And feeling the residual darkness. And some of these things that could have happened when you were a child in your early formative years. Some of them could have happened when when you were at a workplace in the last year. Some of them could have happened in relationships in your school years or in uh, relationships in other areas. But just kind of holding it up going like, Holy Spirit, would you allow me to see if there are pockets of my experience that have left me like marred and just like confused and and feeling the, the weight and the disturbance of having brushed with darkness. Does that make sense? Okay. So we're going to look at this word of unrighteousness. I've got a little whiteboard over here. Unrighteousness 
in the Greek, which is how this passage is originally found in 1 John 1 9. It is pronounced, probably going to um, screw it up, adikai. That is unrighteousness in Greek. Well, you got it up there, so I'm not going to try and write it up here. Unrighteousness or wrongdoing. This shows up as injustice. So any form of injustice that you have experienced in your life, it shows up as wickedness or evil. It shows up as crime. Have you ever been witness to a crime? It shows up as brutality. It shows up as general oppression. Have you witnessed oppression of Dishonesty or lies. Foulness is another way it shows up in Scripture. Or perversion. Or a breach of faith. These are the different ways that the word unrighteousness shows up in Scripture. And I wanted this to kind of land in our heart for us to just wrestle with a little bit tonight to allow the Lord to lead us through some thoughts about how these things can show up in our lives so that we can work through them. Because remember, Ronald Rollheiser says, any pain or tension that is not transformed will be transmitted. And we want to transmit goodness, not our pain and not our tension. Some of you have had sins happen in your presence and it has caused a ridiculous amount of tension in your being, even as a child. Because of the conflict that I viewed in my home, I still have the residual effect of feeling anxious as an adult. That anytime people that I love, that there's a disturbance, it shudders me to my core. These things happen for, for all of us. So, if we were to look at uh, the idea of what uh, is even described in this passage, um, I think there's a slide, John, that says, Our Sins. And this is from Gary Brashears, the theology lead at Western Seminary. He says, Our sins, as spoken of in 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sins and we, uh, if we confess our sins, He is just and faithful to forgive us our sins and all unrighteousness, that our sins is a simple, possessive, and I know that's pushing the limits of my grammar understanding, which is sin that belongs to me in some sense. So this is a broad view of our sins being brought to God. Firstly, like we talked about week one, by me, to me, in my presence, that defiles me. That's a biblical word for what we're talking about. When we feel ew, it's the feeling of defilement. Because we have brushed with darkness. And it has affected our soul. Much like in the Old Testament, there were the purity rites. And kind of like we had COVID purity rites. That if you walked into the presence of somebody who had COVID, whether you have it or not, what did you have to do? You had to go home. You had to shower. You had to stay for seven days and wait for any symptoms to come. And then you would present yourself with a test that says, hey, I'm clean, I can enter back into society. True? Okay, that's exactly what Old Testament purity rites were. Exactly. 
only it was more to do with like if you touched any bodily fluids or if you interacted with a dead body. Being unclean or defiled had nothing to do with sinfulness fundamentally. It had everything to do with the engagement that you had with darkness or death primarily. So, when we think about being defiled by interacting with others, we're like, hey, hold on, that's not my sin. We've got to set that aside. This is not about your sin. Say you were an Old Testament person, your dad passed away, and you needed to bury your dad. In the course of burying your dad, you would become defiled. And so it was a part of life that, that there was a regular routine that people would expect that you at points would be unescapably defiled and you'd have to wash and walk through this process of being renewed, revitalized, and cleansed. And so when we are walking in and through the world, we have to recognize that nobody is surprised when you walk into this room on a Sunday and you're like, man, I have no clue which way is up or down. It's been a week. There has been darkness in my life. I have contributed darkness. I have just been busy and overrun. There is no surprise, guys. But what do we do with what has been done in our presence? You see, there's a solution. We don't, we don't just walk through it going like, well, I guess I'm just a bad, bad Christian, and I, man, I feel bad, and this is just what it is. Week after week, failure. I always show up to talk to God, and I already show up feeling like a failure, like I'm just a mess I feel like I should be on fire for God and I should have all this purity of clean thought towards God and I hear, for, hear Him directly and woo, wow, wow. And man, sometimes life is like that. But am I being honest when I say it's not most of the time that we're wrestling with what we've encountered or experienced or contributed to the brokenness in life as we come to the altar of God, right? This is the honesty that I invite you to. Because this is the honesty that Jesus invites us to. In fact, the man who came to worship the, the, at the temple, and he's like the Pharisee going like, man, I, 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 I have uh, uh, fasted, and I have done almsgiving, and I've done all of these things. And then the man that Jesus highlights is the man who's on his face, not even looking up, going like, God, I am not even worthy to be seen by you. Have mercy on me, a sinner. It's the posture of honesty rather than the pretensive posture that God rushes towards. And so for you, wherever you're coming from, mercy is on tap here. So the reason I know that Jesus expects this is our core passage tonight. John 13. Turn with me there if you will. Now, before the feast of the Passover, I love this story. Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the stinking end during supper when the devil had already put it in his heart, in the heart of Judas Iscariot. Simon to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father, listen, had given him uh, all things into his hands, identity, and he had come from God, origin, and was returning to God, future destiny. He rose up from supper and he laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel he tied it around his waist, and when he had poured water in a basin, he began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, What I am doing you do not understand, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no share in me, Simon Peter said, Lord, do not, not only my feet only, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said, chill out, Peter. The one who has bathed does not need to be washed except for his feet. But he is completely clean and you are clean. 
but not every one of you. What Jesus is describing here is it's a sermon basically in pictures. He is embodying what he expects as a normal cadence of the Christian life of discipleship. If you were alive in this time, many of you know that people wore open-toed sandals. People's dogs were out, as my daughters say. And as you're walking around, you know, they, they didn't have honey buckets, let alone plumbing. And so you're walking through the dust, you're walking through the dirt, you're walking through the, people, the stuff that people throw into the streets, which can be everything from leftovers to sewage. And you come into a home, and customary at this time, the, the homeowner would bring out a basin and a cloth. Now, many times I've heard, you know, oh, when they provide a servant. Well, you know what? In Israel, it was illegal to require a Hebrew servant to even do this job. You couldn't force your servant to do this job. What was customary is they would give you water. Here you go, go wash yourself up. Your feet are nasty. But somehow Jesus, in this beautiful night where it's the stage of the Last Supper, finds himself sitting around a table and nobody bothered to offer any water for anybody. And Jesus looks at the commonality of the moment and says, Ooh, I can teach my disciples about humility. One scholar observed that the disciples were arguing about who was the greatest, who would be highest in the kingdom just before this. And Jesus says, listen, I'm going to take off my status symbol, which is my outer garment, and put on my waist a rag, which is a, a status symbol of a servant. And I'm going to do to you what none of you are willing to do for the other, because the kingdom is upside down. Those who are first will be last. Those who are last will be first. And Jesus moves around the table and he starts to wash their feet and and Peter resists Jesus and says, no, no, this is I will never let you wash me. And and Jesus uh, brings him to this moment of you have to experience this reality. You have to allow me to be me towards you, Peter. And if you're unwilling to do that, then our relationship isn't what it needs to be. Jesus bends and washes his feet and Peter overexertedly says like, hey, no, wash all of me. I want it. And Jesus acknowledges, no, you are already clean. And in John 15, 2, Jesus says, you are clean already because of the words that I've spoken to you. He's not talking about salvation in this moment. He's saying, listen, you are already one of mine and I want you to realize that I expect you to get dirty. Yes, because of your own sin. But honestly just by the nature of you walking through this world, you are going to pick up the garbage of this world. And you are going to regularly need to bring it to me. So when you walk into my presence, into my home, I want you to not feel awkward about this stuff. I want you to talk to me about this stuff. Oftentimes, we have these things in our life where we've experienced these things and they have marked us. We talk to our counselors about this. We talk to our therapists about this. But why aren't we talking about talking to Jesus about this? Jesus, I, as a child, I experienced X. And it's, it's polluted me. It's left me feeling and needing your presence here. And I hate thinking about it. And I want to keep a bottle of it. And I want to just push it aside and not deal with it. Because I don't want it to affect my life, but it affects your life. You're you're carrying, if you bottle something up or box it up, you're carrying that thing with you. If there's a bit of your life and memory and history that you like have sealed off, you're like, I hate it, I don't want to think about it, it was hard, it was disgusting, it was whatever, and then it's just pushed away. Yeah, yeah, God loves you, you're saved. But he's like, man, you don't need to walk around with that on your feet. I expect for you to bring that to me so that I can be me towards you and towards what has happened in your presence. Because you were not intended to carry the garbage and the residue of yourself or others, or even the world that you live in. Sin is a foreign poison to our lives. 
and there is nothing in God's mind that desires or envisages you. Yes, envisages. That's good. In, it sees you as having sin as intended to be a part of your core things that you hold in your life. He wants to remove them and to wash them from you regularly. And to me, this is beautiful. To me, this is, wow, God, okay, you care about more than just my sin. You don't just care of whether I've done bad and I'm in trouble, but you care about how the stuff that is around me affects my soul. That's another level of God's goodness. Like, what? That's like a parent going beyond just feeding you so that you don't starve. A parent going, I see you, and I don't just want you to not die. I want your soul to be washed, revitalized, cleansed, and brought into the light. Anybody ever just love on a hot day to just step into some cold water? I love that feeling. Or when you've been working outside and your hands are like, Burning because you've been kind of you weren't wearing gloves. You're kind of just like, oh, I've been doing all this stuff, and then you put them in some cold water. It's like, oh. Or you take a rag and you drape it around your neck as it's been wrung in some water. It's like refreshing. What if? What if there were like a million more spaces in your heart and in your life that that exact feeling? would be actualized in your soul through the washing, renewal, and cleansing of the Spirit of God. You see, this is the thorough nature of God's good will towards you. He doesn't just want to remove your guilt and your shame. He wants to bring life to these areas that are covered with skid marks. What do we do with what has been done in our presence? Jesus would invite us to come right in. To instead of feeling shame, to go, oh wow, you've really been out there. I'm ready. Man, I want to renew you. I want to clean you. I want to allow you to feel the joy of my pleasure in you. Whether we know it or not, where we are marred by sin, confusion, and repressed stuff that we don't want to deal with, those are areas that we have built walls. Walls to protect ourselves, but walls that keep the renewal and cleansing of God out of. So my heart is that we would trust that God is good. That as these moments come through, last night I was awoken by the middle of the night, oh, thinking about these different circumstances, Lord, bring refreshment there. Cleanse me of that circumstance. What if that's how we just invited God's renewal day after day, hand over fist, more of God's goodness in our life. Because He has promised that He will do it. First John 1 John 1.9, if we confess, speak out loud our sins. And not just our sins we're guilty for, remember? The sins we've done, done against us, and done in our presence. If we confess these sins of the world, of our lives, He is faithful, trustworthy, dependable, can count on Him, and He is just. He will do what He says. He's not going to cheat you. He's not going to find a caveat, a loophole to say, ah, sorry, (laughs) you don't get the forgiveness. I'll forgive you, but I'm not going to cleanse you. I want you to walk around that filth for a little while to really make you feel the pain. That's not God. That is Satan. He is just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from every bit of unrighteousness that we have interacted with in our life. Do you believe that Jesus 
really wants to bring wholeness to you. Because that's what he's after. He is wanting to bring wholeness to your complete being. The ancient Hebrew word for this is shalom. Where you are at peace with God, others, creation, in a way of thriving, in a way of completely being who you were created to be and at peace with all. Shalom. Sin is anything that disturbs shalom. And God wants to get it out of the world to bring His true peace. So I'm going to lead us through a a meditation. Uh, You all have sheets of paper, I believe. Right? Anybody need one still? Thanks, Caitlin. And this is really, what I'm trying to do is I'm just trying to lead you to the water that you may drink. It's the spirit that you're trying to connect with right now. The spirit who brings life. I've told you the truth. It's your job right now to take what I've said and and realize, ask the question, have I heard God? God, am I hearing you? What am I hearing you say? If I'm hearing you correctly, God, I hear you say that you actually want to bring cleansing, revitalization, to areas of my life where I have experienced been in the presence of darkness. So if you hear that and believe that, the action step is not to plead with God, please make it untrue. Please cleanse me. It's God you have promised that you will cleanse me. I receive your cleansing. Spirit, please allow me to experience the cleansing work that you have. That's the work. So I'm going to walk through these different areas of injustice, and I'm going to invite you to allow the Spirit to access your history. And some of this, it may bring up hard things, and there will be a prayer room over here. Myself and Kathy will be there to pray with you and help you process and bring before God and declare you as clean. Um, So yeah, I'm just going to encourage you to write um, as we take a few minutes here. So I'm going to invite the Spirit into this time. And then we're going to worship. And I'll encourage you to take communion when you're ready. I'm going to provide uh, wet wipes. This is a symbol. It's helpful for you. That you receive God's cleansing. I encourage you to just come up here and use one of these to go, God... Please allow me to experience and feel your cleansing work. Don't miss any nooks and crannies, because His grace does it. Okay? Some of you, you're really going to struggle, and you're going to need something else. You're going to need some prayer. If you want to come back over there, I'll wash your feet if you want. I'll do whatever I can to help your soul experience God's full work. So let's pray. Father, we ask that you would spend, send your spirit that is good news to us. And if you bring anything to our mind, I pray, Lord God, that you will allow us to know that shame is not what we're after here. We are after healing, cleansing. We want to rid ourselves, Lord, of the things that do not belong in us. So, Spirit, we ask you to guide us through this time of bringing your healing, doesn't it? 
So as you guys are just meditating and inviting the Spirit on, I encourage you to take up the thought of, have you experienced in your presence any act of injustice? Someone mistreated. Have you experienced crime in your life? Domestic violence? experienced any brutality anyone being treated ruthlessly in your presence have you experienced oppression in your presence where a person or a people were oppressed, kept down, or limited. Have you experienced evil? exposed to witchcraft and other pagan things. Foulness. What comes to mind when you hear that word? In your face? Have you experienced any form of perversion in your life where what is good has been twisted? Have you experienced dishonesty? Lying. The person who has planted lies, twisted the truth, fooled you. experienced any breach of faith somebody in your life they were supposed to be trustworthy and they weren't a pastor a parent organization relative these are the areas each one of them know this if you have anything written on your page know that God is the best news to those areas that his presence means a freedom. Spirit, we know that where your presence is, there is the fullness of joy and freedom. So I pray in the name of Jesus that you would break any chains, that you would give words to 
my friends, as they bring these things before you and simply say, Jesus, you saw this. I agree with you, this shouldn't have been. And Jesus, I believe that you want to bring and will bring because you promise to bring cleansing to my soul. Just like you washed the disciples' feet. I receive your cleansing. I receive your cleansing. Don't rush this. You may get through one item tonight. You may get through five items. I don't know. But take the time to allow the Spirit to really apply the grace of God to you. Lord, we ask you, even as we sing, that you would be breaking in and that just like the flood washed away, Lord God, the darkness of the earth, would it, would your flood of grace wash away God, the darkness of the world that we live in? Oh, that we would feel white as snow. invite you into this time. Please do your ministry work in our hearts. In Jesus' name. Amen. Like I said, this is available for you. I'm going to find a trash can or something. I don't know. Allow this to be sacred. Like, allow what you do with your hands match with what's going on you can't yourself through this this comes through the work of the spirit and you trusting and receiving his plan